Well, good morning, family. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Good morning, family. Excited to see you. My name is Shaq, and I'm a part of the team here. So glad to see you guys this morning. Um, It's always great to be in the house of the Lord with people you love. Amen? Um, We are continuing this sermon series called Something Happened. It's called Something Happened. Why don't you say it with me? Say, Something Happened. And so pretty much what we're doing, Wags kicked it off last week, we are uh, taking people's experiences and encounters with resurrected Jesus, and we are basically seeing how they responded to that. Before I continue and before I get into the meat of my message, um, if this is your first time here, or maybe you're not familiar with church, or maybe somebody brought you here as, as, as just a family member or friend, I want you to know that something happened. Something happened, and it didn't just happen for me, but it also happened for you. That Jesus died on the cross and he rose so that you may have life and have an eternal hope. And so today I want, if you get anything from that, I want you to know that something happened for you. And so last week, Wags kicked it off with talking about uh, Peter and his experience with Jesus um, and his encounter with resurrected Jesus. Um, and today, I'm going to be going into uh, the disciples and their encounter with Jesus. Um, and as we get into this series, as we get deeper into people's encounter with Jesus, what stands out to me is that these guys, I mean, they are going through some of the toughest times of their life. Their friend, their brother, their master had died, and then was resurrected. Like this had to be the longest three days of their lives. And so we're diving into how to respond when things are a little bit confusing. How do we respond when things are crazy at times? By showing of hands, how many of you are going through something right now? Everybody who isn't going through something, I need to know what you got. I need to know what you got. Um, because life be lifing, life be lifing. Um, and, so, and so these disciples, these friends, these people uh, that are close to Jesus as we dive into this series, we're going to see how they respond to something that was tragic, but also good at the same time. See, for us, Good Friday was a good Friday because we get to celebrate the fact that we are redeemed because Jesus went on the cross, but to them, it wasn't really a good Friday. To them, it wasn't a happy time. It wasn't some form of celebration. Even though they knew that that something was going to happen, their reaction to what happened wasn't great because they had lost their friend. And so as as we dive into this series, I want us to understand that things can be good and bad all at the same time. Have you ever been at a place in your life where somebody asks you, man, how you doing? And you, you say, I'm good. I'm all right. Everything's great. My family's good. Everything's well. But then you know in the back of your mind, things are good, but they're also bad. <laughs> like, I, 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 could, I could complain, but I'm not going to. I could celebrate, but I could also be sad about something that's going on. I could be happy but I could also be frustrated about what's happening in my life. And so what I want you to understand today is if you get nothing else from today, I want you to know that in the good and the bad, God is with you. In the confusing times, in the frustrating times, in the times where you're grieving, God is with you. And so I want to turn to a scripture real quick, and I'm going to go to two scriptures. 
and I want to go to Matthew chapter 28 first. And so in this scripture, just to give you a little bit of background while you're getting there, Mary and Mary, two Marys, two ladies, they're going down uh, to the tomb to, to, to do some stuff with the tomb. Somebody else will get into that series later. But as they, as they get there, they have this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus tells them, I need you to go to my brothers, go to my friends. And what I want you to do is, I want you to tell them to go to Galilee. And so, and so this is that encounter. This is that story. And so I'm going to read it from verse... I'm going to read it from verse 11, from verse 11, Matthew chapter 28 uh, and verse 11. It says, as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, will stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. So this is after they had been told to go and wait for Jesus. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. I want to stop there and I want to go to another scripture. I want to go to Luke chapter 24. I want you to come with me to Luke chapter 24. And we are going to go to verse 35. Luke chapter 24, verse 35. And it says... Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And Jesus, as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them and he said, peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Verse 41 says, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then, and then he asked them, do you have anything to eat? I'll stop right there. I want to I wanna go in a little bit about Reaction versus response. I want to talk about reaction versus response. Um, and I want, to, I want to make a direct correlation between this tough time that these disciples are having and the tough time that maybe you, you might be having. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what your life looks like. But I do know that there is a reaction but then there is also a response. And so my encouragement to you today is to lean more into your response. What is God teaching you? And I want you to hold on to that. Here's the reason why I want you to hold on to that, because right now in your situation, you might be praying to God, God, please take me out. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to have this experience. 
This is way too much for me. I cannot handle it. God, I need you to take me out. What if the prayer needs to be, God, what are you teaching me in this? What is the lesson in this season that you're trying to show me? God, what are you trying to develop in me? What are you molding me into? God, God, I, I, I want to be completely surrendered to you to the point where when it gets hard, I know that I can lean into the lesson that you are teaching me. And so what I want you to know, family, is that God does not just allow situations to happen in your life just so it can happen. I want you to know that there is a lesson in every season. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what's happening in your life. It may be crazy and things might be perfectly fine. But I want you to know that in every season of life, in every, in every uh, problem in life, in every challenge that you face, there is a lesson that God is trying to teach you. Now, what is God trying to teach his disciples in this moment? We can see their reaction in, in, in Luke uh, where they were frightened. And I can just imagine. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about you and 12 friends. Every single day, you walk together, you talk together. This is your family. This is your crew. These are your homeboys. These are your homegirls. This is everything to you. This is your community. And then all of a sudden, one of them passes. One of them is gone. And you have to deal with these long moments, these long nights of grieving and pain and hurt and anguish. And this is what the disciples are going through right now. They are dealing with grief. They are dealing with the fact that they lost their friend. They lost their master. They lost the one who had called them to follow him. And so three days later, he gets resurrected and they experience him and they see him again. So can you just imagine, okay, he's gone and now you see him again. Can you just imagine the mixed emotions? Just the roller coaster ride of thoughts and feelings, the, the fact that you are grieving him and now you see him and you want to rejoice, but, but you kind of don't know if it's really real. You want to you be happy, you want to celebrate, but... There's some disbelief there. There's, there's, a, there's a shock there that you're actually really seeing him. And so I, I, that was their reaction. Their reaction to this tough time was doubt and fear. I wonder how many of us here today can say in our toughest moments, in our in our in our painful, almost painful moments in, in some of these uncomfortable seasons where we don't see God moving because they didn't see him. They had walked with him and talked with him every day and now they had to be without him. I wonder if I'm talking to anybody that has been at a place where you don't see or feel God moving, but you have to trust that he's there. Maybe it's a loss of a family member. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's, maybe you're like me and you just got a lot of kids and you just want time. <laughs> and you got to clean the house every 10 minutes. 
And you're like, God, where are you? There's all these blocks on the floor. Get them out of here. <laughs> That's a small situation, but maybe your situation goes way back into your past. Maybe you're encountering a new community. Maybe you, you, you come into Hill City and everybody is happy and everybody loves you and everybody's cheering you on, but you're still remembering your past church situation. Maybe there's still some trauma from, from family hurt and you're, and, and you're not seeing God moving the way you want him to move. But I, I just want to encourage you real quick that even when you don't feel him, even when you don't see him, he is still there. Even when it doesn't look like God is moving in your life, even when it doesn't feel like God is turning things around, he is still with you. I feel like I'm preaching hard already. I'm sweating. <laughs> That's supposed to be at the end of the sermon. <laughs> so their reaction was doubt. They doubted because there was grief. They doubted because they didn't see him. There was this fear because when he died, all of the disciples had kind of dispersed because they thought that they were going to get caught and, and they thought that they were going to be in prison. And so there was this fear and this doubt that had crippled their hearts because they didn't have the one that they were following every single day. So, so the reaction was doubt and fear due to grief. But I wonder if they were also taken out of their comfort zone. Not having Jesus around, not having the same routine, not seeing the same friends, not being around the same company. I wonder if their doubt and fear came from this season and this time where they were completely uncomfortable. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you don't know what's happening, but you just feel uncomfortable? You don't really know what's going on, but you just... It, things just don't feel right. You feel like God is taking you out of your norm. And in a, in a little bit, I'm going to show you that God was pushing them to a certain lesson. God was pushing them to a certain command. But what if, in order for God to have his way in your life, he has to make you uncomfortable? What if, in order for God to really do what he wants to do in you and through you and around you, what if he has to make you uncomfortable? What if he has to stretch you by taking you out of your comfort zone? What if he has to activate faith in you by taking you out of your comfort zone? Now, I know that for some of us here, we like to live our comfortable lives. It's getting ready to be summer. Well, it's already summer because in Virginia, by the time it's February, it's summer. I'm from New York. In February, we're still wearing big bubble jackets. Here, it's just nothing but rain and rain and pollen. Um, <laughs> but, but what if God is trying to get you from spending every weekend on the back deck, kicking back and enjoying life, what if there's something he's trying to get you to do? What if he's making you uncomfortable so that you can activate faith in the next steps of your life? 
And so these, these disciples, not only did they experience doubt and fear, but, he, but they also experienced, I'm about to make up a word, y'all. They experienced uncomfortability. I think that's a word. I think that's a word, okay? <laughs> they experienced uncomfortability. Say it with me, uncomfortability. Look, some of the Webster people in here are like, what in the world? <laughs> some of the English teachers are like, all right, we got to get them in class. Um, so they, they experienced this season of life where things just weren't normal. And I can imagine, I can, I can even think about uh, just back three years ago when we were going through this time of experiencing the pandemic and things just weren't normal. Things were just out of whack. I can even think about my own life and not having a dad in my life and then God makes me Father Abraham and <laughs> had many daughters. <laughs> and it's just not comfortable. It's not comfortable because I have to be in a position where I have to do something I've never seen done before. And maybe your story is you just don't feel comfortable right now. And I want to encourage you and let you know that maybe you are right where you need to be. Maybe God has you right where he needs you because it is in that uncomfortable season it's in that uncomfortable place that God will get the glory out of your life. See, a lot of times we think, oh God, I need you to just cast out my doubt so that I can believe. But there's a scripture in the Bible, one of my favorite scriptures that says, Lord, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? Which means what if doubt isn't the enemy of faith? What if the enemy of faith is sight? What if the enemy of faith is our feelings? What if we're not walking in everything that God has called us to and being who God has called us to be and pushing the way God has called us to It's because we don't believe because of how we feel and what we see. And so I want to go into their response for a bit because I think that it's important to lean into how to respond to these tough moments of life. How do I respond when God is doing something amazing in me but life does not feel good? How do I respond? I want you to know that there's a difference between your reaction and your response. Your reaction is that initial feeling. It's that initial feeling, that, that reaction is that anger, that sadness, or maybe it's that happiness. Maybe, maybe it's that, that celebration, but your reaction is normally how you feel initially. But your response is how you fight back. Your reaction is how you feel, but your response is how you fight back. Now, I don't know what you're going through today, I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know. Things might be really, 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 really crazy. But I want to encourage you today to fight back. I want to encourage you to fight back. Because I'm believing that the enemy does not have control over you. The enemy does not have power over you. The enemy does not have victory over you. But God is in control. So hear this. Their response, when we go back uh, to Matthew chapter 28, I want you to see how they respond to what Jesus is saying. 
Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. I want to stop right there. When they saw him, they worshipped him. I think that it's, it's so amazing to me how in their most confused and just petrified moment, the response of some of the disciples was to praise. The response of some of the disciples was to praise. Now I know that things may be rocky in your life. I know that we're all going through something. We're all dealing with something. But man, what if our response to these seasons and these moments was to praise God in the midst of it all? What if our response was to worship him? Now, now praising him isn't saying that I, I, don't, I don't feel it. I still feel it. It still hurts. I'm still a little bit confused as to what God is doing. But my response is praise because watch this. I want you to hear this. Praise is acknowledging the goodness, the love, and the power of God. Praise is acknowledging the goodness, the love, and the power of God. That means even when I don't understand what God is doing in my life, even when I don't understand this chaos, this chaotic season, I know that God is in control and I know that he loves me. I know that God is for me and not against me. And so in the darkest moments of my life, in the pain, in the hurt, through the tears, I want to encourage you that when things get hard, praise harder. When things get crazy, lift your hands and just say, God, I praise you and I worship you even though I don't understand what's going on, even though I don't understand what's happening, I know that you are in control. I know that you love me. I know that you have the power to turn things around for me. And God, even if you don't take me out of this right now, even if you don't free me from this season, God, I praise you because I know that there could be something you're teaching me in it. I praise you because I know that there could be something uh, that you're molding on the inside of me. You see, praise tells us, tells our minds, tells our souls that though things are happening around us, God is still in control. God is still in control. And so I want to encourage you, I want us to take just the next maybe 30 seconds, I want you to just bow your head real quick. And I want you to just think about that. I want you to just think about that thing. You know what that thing is. Or maybe it's just your season. Maybe it's your story. Maybe it's just traumatic events from the past. And I want you in your heart to just say, God, I praise you. God, I praise you. God, I feel it. It hurts. It's painful. It's confusing. 
It's frustrating. Just this stage of life. Not knowing where to go, not knowing which door to go through. God, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. God, maybe there's somebody here that's lost their praise because they've just been so focused on how they feel. God, I pray that that person would know that you love them and that your grace and your mercy is for them. And you guys can pick your heads up now. I'm going to close with this last point. Their first response, one of their first responses was to praise. One of their second responses was to heed a command, was to walk in obedience. So I'm going to read again, and it, and it says at verse 17, it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Now, after there was this moment of praise, Jesus now begins to give them a command that causes them to have to walk in obedience. And praise is one of the responses that helps us to know, man, God, in spite of everything, you love me and I love you and I'll thank you and I'll praise you, but obedience, this is where it gets a little tough. Because in, in the midst of this hard time, in the midst of this crazy time, God, now you're giving me a call. Now you're giving me a purpose. Now you're giving me something I need to do. I'm still trying to get over the fact that I feel uncomfortable. I'm still trying to get over the fact that this season is hard. But here's what I want you to know, that a part of obedience, in order to fully walk in obedience, you have to be fully surrendered to God. That means I have to fully give up my way so that God can have his way. That means even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's crazy, even when it's tough, I have my reaction to that and I want to lean into my reaction and I want to walk into my, my reaction and when I'm in traffic I really want to say some things I shouldn't say. <laughs> but my response should be obedience. My response should be complete surrender. So it means following his ways and surrendering yours. Here's where it gets a little hard family. Here's where it gets a little hard. It gets hard because sometimes we feel like surrendering things means that we have to give up 
all the things that we love, all the things that we care about, all the things that we so desire to be, and then we'll be left with nothing. And as the band comes up, I, I want you to know this, that when you surrender things to God, when you surrender everything to God, he doesn't leave you empty-handed. When you surrender that trauma, when you surrender that addiction, when you surrender that pain, man, God is so gracious that he'll replace it with his joy, that he'll replace it with his spirit, that he'll replace it with his love, even in the midst of a trying time, even in the midst of a painful time. Here's why it gets so tough, because one thing I've realized, even in my life, is that everybody wants a savior. Not everybody wants a king. Everybody, I know for me, I'm like, God, pull me out. But don't tell me what to do. <laughs> God, I, take me out of this situation. But eh, this thing that you want me to do, that's, that's too tough. Because I just need to deal with how I'm feeling right now. I just need to deal with, man, I've been through so much trauma. Just let, me, just let me stay there. Just let me feel it. Just let me walk in how I want to feel. And God is saying that you are so much bigger than what you've been through. You are so much greater than what you've been through. Not because of your talents, not because you're great at something, not because you're gifted, but because God loves you and because he's for you. And so I want you to know, family, that surrender, whew, surrender is the best thing you could do with your life. The best thing you could do with your life is to give it up to the king. Now I know that some of us are just, you might be living through the toughest time of your life right now. I'm not, a, I'm not oblivious to the fact that life is life. But I wonder what would happen if in the midst of life, our response was, God, I just want you. God, I just, I just want what you have for me. I've tried a lot of things. I've tried relationships. I've tried environments. For some of us, man, I've, I've tried churches. I've tried everything. And nothing else will work. Nothing else will be the formula. Nothing else has healed me. Nothing else has transformed me. Nothing else has delivered me. Nothing else has set me free. So God, here I am right now, right here, saying my response to this confusing time, to this trying time, is that I just want you. is that nothing else matters but to be completely surrendered to you. 
Family, can I tell you that the will of God is the safest place you could ever be. It's the safest place you could ever be. And sometimes the will of God, it hurts because sometimes we have to do things we don't really want to do. But man, it's in, it's in that living by faith that even when I don't feel like doing it, even when I don't see God moving, even when I don't feel God moving, I'm giving him everything because I know that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me and that he's always been right there. There's been moments I've had to tell myself, man, just, just growing up, without a dad, and maybe one day I, I, I'll get to tell, tell you my whole story when we, when we connect, but just having that moment where God said, son, I called you, and I have a plan for your life, which means that in every moment that my natural father missed, there was never a moment that God missed. There was never a moment that he ever forsake me. And so if he was with me then, why would he not be with me now? That's why I surrender. I surrender because he's never failed me. I surrender because out of everything that I've ever tried, out of everything that I've ever tried to use to get me through my traumatic moments, to get me through my pain, to get me through my hurt, he's been the only thing that has ever worked. He's been the only thing that I could ever count on. And so my encouragement to you today is to surrender because he's waiting and willing. Surrender because he's waiting and willing. Why don't you just bow your heads with me? We're going to go into this next song, but I just want to pray over you real quick. God, you know every person's story in this building. You know their heart. God, you know the pain, you know the hurt, you know everything. I just pray, God, that you would touch their hearts, that their response would be hallelujah and amen, which is, Lord, I praise you and I surrender my all to you in the midst of it all. You are the only thing you are the only thing that can do it for me. Lord, we just want you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand as we sing this next song.